We have to be able to see that sin, not just in others, but in ourselves. Welcome back to Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. I'm your host, Elena Martin. Join us each week as two Yale Divinity School professors look at an upcoming text from the Revised Common Lectionary. This episode, we have Harry Attridge, Sterling Professor of Divinity, and John Hare, Noah Porter Professor of Philosophical Theology. They're discussing Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 29, which is appointed for proper seven in year C, the second Sunday after Pentecost. Here's the text. Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian, for in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Galatians 3 has uh, Paul talking about our relationship to Christ in faith and putting on Christ and uh, there being neither male, female, etc., but all being one in Christ. Uh, A really interesting text. What do you make of it? Yes. The major theme here is justification by faith. We put on Christ. And then, as you say, in Christ, there is neither, then there's a difference. It's slave nor free, Jew nor Gentile male and female. And we should ask, why is it that Paul changes there from the the poor to the and? Why is it not male and female? And my own thought about that is, he's thinking back to Genesis, where God created male and female. And he's saying that somehow in Christ, there's a change to that. What kind of change would that be? I should tell you that my oldest child was assigned female at birth and is now male and has had reconstructive surgery. And my wife and I have had to come to understand this and to understand it as Christians. And there's been a good deal of pain involved in that, in that process. But my own conviction after going through this is it's the same person all the way through. And I want to say, being male and female are not essential to our identities. We could put that eschatologically in in terms of heaven. We could say, we're not going to be male and female. We're not going to be married or given in marriage in heaven. And that you could be the same person assigned one gender and then another, so that there isn't an essential change. And I I think something like that is in Paul's mind, that as Christ sees us in our relationship to Christ, the difference between male and female 
is not essential. But that, I'm just speaking from my own experience. Well, it's moving testimony and um, what I'm sure was um, a very difficult experience. I, I think one of the things that Paul is wrestling with here is um, another binary that um, has come to dominate our environment these days, and that's uh, we, we express it in terms of race. Paul expresses it here in terms of Jew and Greek, uh, which we tend to think of in terms of religious categories, but I think in antiquity it might have had a slightly different flavor. And then the slave and free, you know, we we tend to pay homage to notions of equality, whereas um, in our real social relations, there still is a lot of inequality. And uh, it's easier in the abstract to say it doesn't matter where we are in the social hierarchy, but it does matter in terms of our day-to-day existence. And I think uh, what Paul is, is, is doing here and citing what probably is a baptismal formula is uh, trying to make his congregation aware not only of what the issue on the table is, that is, the division between Jew and Greek no longer obtains in this new realm created by the, the Christ event, but also some other things that have divided us, uh, racial divisions, gender divisions, etc., ought not, cannot, should not, and won't divide us if we are truly in Christ. And I think that that's, that's a profound message and one that uh, it's Somewhat easier to articulate verbally, it's often difficult to live out practically in relationship to other people. And you've had that experience. I can see that uh, in a major way. These, these three distinctions, two Greeks, slave-free, male-female, are all in the ancient world's power relations. And what's being subverted here, I think, is the power structure. And to recognize Jesus as Lord is then not to give ultimate authority to anything else, any of these structures in which we live in society. They all have to be transformed, and most of them are corrupt and sinful. And we have to be able to see that sin, not just in others, but in ourselves, and allow Christ's Lordship to prevail. You can see that Paul wrestles with this too, and I don't think was always as successful as we'd like him to have been. Uh, there are the passages where he talks about um, the relationship between men and women, where the power relationships are still on the table. Uh, some of those passages might well be Deuteropauline, written by Paul's uh, successors, but some of them are probably written by himself. For instance, in First uh, Corinthians 11, where he's dealing with the issue of uh, how men and women should behave, especially women, should behave in worship assemblies, and he wants them to behave decently and in order, he establishes a kind of hierarchical relationship between God, Christ, man, and woman. That reinforces the kind of power relationships you're talking about in, in gender categories, at least. But immediately after that, he recognizes he's made a bad move. <laughs> and he says, no, but in, in Christ, men and women are equal, right? So it's interesting how, how we, can, we can admit some fundamental theological principle as he does here and then have difficulties working it out in the light of the fact that we have these power relationships surrounding us all the time. And Paul is a good example of someone who tries to do so. The, the Jew and, and Gentile reference in Galatians also tells us something important, I think, about Paul's relation to his own people. He doesn't say here Christians replace Jews. 
Um, and I think that's not his view. And if it's disputed, I don't think he's a supersessionist. So the, I think he thinks that the Jews have a, a salvation history that continue and that they will, in fact, I think he thinks, uh, be related to Christians in the same sort of way as Christians are related to Jews, so that there will be a kind of reversal. But it's it's not a it's not a replacement. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree on that. He's not a supersessionist, um, and he wrestles with this in in Romans uh, Romans eleven in particular, and he believes that um, uh, all Israel will be saved in God's good time, and that God somehow will resolve the difficulty that has present, presented itself to him that his own people don't accept his message, his, his interpretation of Scripture and prophecy. But yeah, God will resolve this in good time. And he tells the Gentiles in that passage, you are grafted into Israel. Yes, so don't lord it over them. You owe everything you have uh, to Israel. And I think that's an important thing to, to keep in mind in having conversations with our, our Jewish brothers and sisters, that whatever we are, whatever we have comes from them. Mm. So, yes, a very um, important passage. The one other thing that I like about this passage, the baptismal reference and the overcoming of differences, yes, that's definitely there. Uh, the language of putting on Christ, I think, is uh, very, uh, very expressive language. And it probably is also related to the fact that Paul is alluding to baptismal ritual here. And we know that uh, within a century or so, people were donning new garments uh, when they got baptized. And they were probably doing it already in Paul's day. And I think what he's saying here is, remember that ritual experience that you had. You put on something new, and that newness needs to be expressed in everything you are and everything you do. So be in Christ, he says. So I, I think that's right. But th there's a difficulty that some people think putting on Christ is like putting on a, a new set of clothes without any change in your body, as, as though putting on Christ is something merely external, mm -hmm. as though you were selling a house just by whitewashing it and not, it's still unsound in the foundations. And I don't think that's, that's what Paul has in mind. I don't think that the clothes are merely external. I think that justification by faith is a change in the heart, and that these new clothes express that change. They're not, as it were, deceptive about what is going on inside. As, as in so many other cases, if we just take one of Paul's metaphors or images and run with it alone, we're going to get into difficulty. Being part of the body of Christ uh, is another image that he uses that is probably more expressive of that internal uh, dynamic that you're talking about that definitely is there in Paul. And it's certainly here in this passage. Thanks for listening to Chapter, Verse, and Season. For more about this podcast or for more Bible study resources in general, visit YaleBibleStudy.org and follow us on Twitter at BibleYale. Chapter, Verse, and Season is a production of the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School. It's produced by creator and managing editor Joel Baden, production manager Kelly Morrissey, associate producer Aidan Stoddart, and host and executive producer me, Helena Martin. Our theme music is by Calvin Linderman. We'll be back with another conversation from chapter, verse, and season.